Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Mm. Okay, brilliant song and brilliant work. And it starts with me. And it's like being open and brave enough to actually see what are the what are the pitfalls in my own personality or my own character, or my own style, uh, you know? And how can I work towards um, addressing those? So being brave enough to look at myself and like warts and all, like I did an audit on myself, on, on my parenting, on my wifedom, on my friendsdom, on, you know, <laughs> these are all like weird words. Um, but in all the different roles that I play, and I wanted to be able to see what are the things that may irk people or that may I've got this far but maybe they may stop me from getting to where to the next stage in my in my journey. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. And we are here with episode number 50. The title today is Growing Through the Storm. Strategies for Growing Your Association Impact and Value. And our special guest is Tenday White. Tenday is the executive director of an organization called Impact, and she is responsible for Impact Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Central and South America. She also was born and grew up in Zimbabwe. Her father was a freedom fighter. Her mother was a nurse. And she brings this really unique perspective on multiculturalism, leadership, and association leadership. And today, she's going to be talking about what it takes to lead an association, especially through these difficult times, as well as just some impact comments and impact lessons about leadership in general. Tendai's got some incredible stories to share. She's going to talk about how important it is to work on yourself. She talks about how the time to invest in yourself is in the middle of the storm, not when the seas are calm. And she's going to share some really unique perspectives on ways to add value to your association members. So hold on and get ready to get some wisdom bombs from Tendai. Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Our special guest today is Tenday White, who is coming to us from the UK. Tenday, I'm going to have to, I'm going to go down this list. She's a part of an organization called Impact, which is an international association of accounting firms. And she is the executive director for the Asia Pacific region, the Europe, Middle East, and Asia region. And she's also the Central and South America region executive director. So basically, Sounds like, Sendai, you are executive director of the world, <laughs> except for the United States, except for North America, it sounds like. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's, okay, that's an easier way. So I had the opportunity to meet Tendai probably now four or five years ago, and I don't remember if it was in Denver. I think it might have been Denver. Yeah. In Denver, uh, I was speaking to Impact North America, Tendai was there, which is just such an amazing experience. We had a couple of lovely chats there. And she said, would you ever come to Europe to speak? 
Now, <clears throat> those who know me would say, well, that's a silly question. Yeah. <laughs> and Mr. I said, yes. And a couple of years later, she invited me to speak at their conference in Athens, Greece, which awesome. was an amazing experience. I've continued to stay connected to Tendai and to impact and to continue to support them with different leadership training programs. But Tendai is a really amazing person, and that's going to come out very quickly today. So welcome, Tendai. Yes, Thank welcome. You, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Craig. Um, a little bit about me. Yeah. Um, I, hmm, where to start? I feel like it's been such a full... I always say start in the middle because everybody else okay. starts at the beginning or the end. Okay, let's do the middle. So I joined Impact at 25 after completing my MBA. Uh, took on the reins at 28 with a three-month-old baby in tow, working mm. full-time from home. So that was fun. Um, my father is a freedom fighter. My mother is a nurse. So traveled extensively, you know, throughout my life, which has been great. Um, I think it also added a different perspective, maybe when I joined the board as well. Um, our whole executive team is culturally diverse, which means we are a living embodiment of an international association because our executive team, I, I am Zimbabwean based in the UK. Uh, our operations manager, Daniel, is based in Spain. Um, our executive assistant, um, she's based in Bulgaria. We have our marketing manager based in Singapore. And we have assistants from time to time, you know, from Zimbabwe, Thailand, the US. So I like the fact that even in, in terms of the engine room of the organization, diversity is key. Mm, it's so good. Wow. So I love that you have that perspective of bringing everybody together from all over the place. And uh, I would imagine that that provides so much interesting conversation. It does. Um, and I think for us, one thing that I learned early on, I think it was when I was doing my, my first degree, was I went to a, a, a little private um, university, an Italian university based in London. Um, and the thing that they taught us, the biggest thing was about cultural intelligence and just the importance of understanding and appreciating different cultures. And it has actually been one of the cornerstones of maybe the kind of leadership I try and have, which is everyone has a voice. You have to learn to tune in as opposed to tuning out because of accents or because, you know, people don't structure sentences the same way, but being intentional about hearing beyond you know, maybe sometimes the words that are coming out, which has everything to do with body language, knowing how to receive a business card, how it's different. You know, if I go to the Far East, I need to take it with both hands. Whereas in America, they just chuck it in their pocket. They don't even look at it. But understanding those differences are key. <laughs> yes, it's a matter of respect. Latenda, yeah. <laughs> you um, are a unique guest for us because I don't think we've had a leader from an association yet and associations right now like a lot of businesses are having challenging times you know this due to the covid pandemic so can you speak a little bit to what have been some of the challenges you faced in leading a literally global association um i would say there was phases <laughs> in the last few months i think in the beginning the biggest issue that we faced was, I suppose there was fear of the unknown. Um, a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation. Our, a lot of our member firms weren't really sure what was going to happen in their businesses, with their clients. And at the same time, having to now adapt 
to maybe working from home for the first time, you know, um, are we going to get paid? Are we not going to get paid? Um, so there were so many things. And the, so the first thing that we did here in Impact is try and calm it all down by just having a call with all of our members, a global call, and just having a, a, a space for people to just express, you know, what they were going through. And we thought that that would be a good place to start because we were able to understand which are the regions which are struggling, which are the regions which are maybe thriving, and which are the regions where it's business as usual. Um, but it, we didn't want to just throw everything at it before we understood what our members' needs really were. Um, some of the challenges with that um, was, of course, everyone getting used to virtual, getting used to, I had never done a Zoom call until our global, our global um, call, never done it before, I'd never used Zoom and just learning the technology and everything, having to cancel physical meetings, you know, and even just taking that brave step to cancel before lockdown. You know, we were in February having to look at the whole calendar and thinking, nah, this, all of this looks like it's going down the drain. And this was after we had just done our site inspections and having to cancel and the risk of cancellation penalties because the world was still open at that time. Um, so, but it took, but there was also a chance, I think, to take a step back and think there may be an opportunity here, which is the way we try to focus it. So. If people was worried about their businesses, let's try and provide something that has to do with business development or something. And I think that's that's something that we try to focus on is just listen to what our members really wanted and not just bombard them with what we thought. Now, when you look at the diversity of where you have, have you have you tried to connect people across the geographies, or were you more focused on building relationships within geographies before COVID? Hmm. Both. <laughs> so the way Impact Global is structured is um, we are one global organization. We have uh, around about 160 member firms in over 60 countries. Um, so there's a wide geographic um, distribution as it is. Um, for for ex you know for administration purposes, you know we are we we have an there's an executive office in North America looking after North America, Mexico, and Canada. Um, and then my office looks after the rest of the world. And in that, there is still some specializations. You know, I had, there's an Asia Pacific board and an EMEA CSA board. Um, so there are some things we have to distill into regional or even country level, some activities, and then some which we try and do globally. And I think the key for this season was um, to try and provide as much of, um, as much we can globally, but ensuring that there is still the specific needs that are met. So it became more about, do we have more training? Do we have more business development? Do we have more networking? Are we doing networking globally and networking regionally? So that was um, a model that seemed to work, was um, understanding that more than the regions, these are still accounting businesses. And they still want to know and have support on how to do business. and how to continue to do business given the traditional ways are not um, available to them now. So Tendai, one question I'm curious about, at least I've seen that here in the United States, it seems like impact as an association may have had some of the, you said uncertainties, this very similar to accounting because most accounting firms that I'm familiar with did not have an immediate fall off in business. No, no one called and stopped the work that was going on 
But the issue was, is the phone going to ring in the future? And are people going to pay for the work that's being done now? And you had a similar issue in that because of the timing of when you uh, invoice members, right? Because was that in the spring? Yeah. Yeah. So So there was no lack of payment when this started, but that was a big uncertainty. So it seems like you and your members shared a similar reality in business that things are probably okay right now, but it's the future that's really uncertain. Yeah. So for us as, um, as an organization, it was something that we had to look at because, you know, we, we survive on our membership dues and not being clear about whether, how our businesses, how our members' businesses were going to fare, especially coming into our invoicing cycle was definitely key. And I mean, there were some brave things we had to do at the time, which was, you know, be practical and think, okay, what are the chances 100% of our members were going to renew? We had to put a figure on that and say, okay, if we dip by this amount, how long can we keep going? Our target was to make sure that we can continue providing a, you know, a good service and support for our members for two years. This was my target, is to make sure whatever adjustments we make in the business keep us going for two years, which I thought would be enough of a time to recover from whatever would have happened. So to do that, you know, we had to you know, approach suppliers, just to talk to them, say, we don't know what the future is going to be like, but... This is the situation. And because we were so open and honest about the fact that we don't know, but we're just trying to plan as wisely as possible, um, we were able to get, you know, to also negotiate, you know, some preferential rates, you know, here and there. And then on top of that, I was really proud to see some of my team coming up and volunteering to, you know, to have their salaries reduced Mm. um, as part of that process because they also understood that, the longer we can make sure that the train stays on the tracks, you know, we all have jobs at the end for a start and we're not looking, we're not unemployed because the company has gone bust. And so all of that initial planning and the genuinely the support of my team, you know, because it's, you're going into a season where people are getting furloughed and stuff. And here we are all volunteering to take pay cuts. It's, um, I just, up to now, I, I still get blown away by the fact that they agreed to do that, you know. So it meant that we went into June, July stronger than, mm-hmm. than expected. We invested more in, you know, in having more support, you know, the speakers, the webinars, um, invested more in our, in our marketing, our advertising. We decided that I had in my head, or to my team, was that we can do something different in this season and we mustn't just bury our heads and think this is it. We have welcomed um, four new members in EMEA, two new members in Asia Pacific in the last three months. So in a season where businesses are shrinking maybe, a niche association of accountants is growing. We've had the best growth we've had in, in a long time. I think we awesome. have... We have two more, so we're going to have eight, no, nine, nine new members, you know, within the next month in a time of craziness. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, wow. So, you know, that, that really feeds into my next question, which is most associations, one of their biggest challenges is how do we continue to add value to our members? Mm-hmm. And due to the pandemic, in many ways, a lot of your typical value, your your train of value got knocked off the track. You said that value is not there. Some of it's gone. 
So speak to what you've been doing to continue to add value to your members during the pandemic. Hmm. Okay. So one, the first thing that we did is get our members on board. I think it was key because really any, any offering we bring from the executive office really needs the members, to, uh, the members buy-in for it to actually get the value that it needs. Um, so we focused on collaboration between our member firms, having consistent engagement with our member firms, um, creating an environment of a community focus you know, for shared experiences um, with our member firms and also keeping that fo a focus on their their ability to continue to support their clients. Um, one big thing that we started during this period is something called the Impact Marketplace. And basically, this is a business development um, platform. We meet um, every fortnight. So member firms will bring projects or clients um, to share experiences or literally to, to look for collaboration with other member firms. So this was a positive step in which I may have a client who's looking to sell his hotel and there may be another member who has clients who are looking to buy a hotel. Let's bring these two yeah. people together. This was a very, very um, successful endeavor for us in terms of adding value. Um, and yeah, it continues to be so. We've got two projects in the pipeline as it is as a result of the marketplace. And we just think that, that that's something that's going to continue. Yeah, it's interesting because as, as COVID came out, Jeff and I started realizing, hey, we can, we can do networking a different way. You know, before it was a lot of in-person networking. And, and then we realized, hey, wait a minute. We have people all over the world that we can connect with all at the same time. And it's, it really kind of opened things up and in a different way. And we're like, wow why didn't we think about this before? You know, so there's so many opportunities that came out of this that because we had to think a little bit differently and with associations, at least with the, the folks that I've talked with, they look at, okay, we have dues revenues. And then we're also looking at how do we, how do we get non-dues revenue? Is that something that you face as well? Non-dues I suppose, um, but not so much because okay. a lot of the times our when we do have conferences and so forth we tend to break even or actually make a loss because we are we just feel it's reinvesting into the association okay so our main source of revenue is dues okay. um, uh, so yeah <laughs> okay it was a bit of a tricky one in the sense that not having a physical conference where mm. people will pay you know, for they're paying for the hotel, but they're also paying for the delegate fee. So a lot of those costs are covered. Having to make decisions like, okay, well, how do we do a virtual conference where we know we can't, we didn't feel right about charging anyone to attend a virtual conference in lieu of a, a physical conference, but we still need to pay speakers. We still need to pay for the platform we use. Mm -hmm. um, there are still costs that we're going to incur. Um, but again, for the way we looked at it was, we've put that in as part of the association development that um, whatever it's going to cost to keep our members connected hmm. and to hopefully provide them with something that they appreciate during this time um, was very, was very, very important. So yeah, uh, we're just taking it all as an investment, even if there might be a little minus tag at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so Tendai, you've mentioned something, a couple things that I think are related. We're going to find out here. You talked about creating global call right away with your members. You've also talked about some ways that your team volunteered to make adjustments. So can you talk about the, the role of transparency 
in these communications with your team and with your members? I think transparency was key. Um, what I the thing that I've seen um, a lot is there is this fear of failure or fear of not knowing mm. or fear of not having the answer. And I think leaders, the minute we actually shake all of that off and say, I really don't know what the future holds, but this is what I'm trying to do to mitigate against any you know, potential risks that we may face as an organization. I think um, it, one, distills your leadership back to your humanity. Um, so we are not super people. We are not robots. We are not, you know, we will get things wrong. And we are all in this together because we've never been this way before. Right. No one has ever, like, if we go into lockdown again, we all have the skills now. We know what to expect. But in March, it was like a dream. You know, like no one, a nightmare, really. No one was <laughs> it was terrible. You know, I, I, I remember I'm trying to teach my son, you know, full-time. I'm trying to work full-time. There was a point where a few of very close family members um, were uh, it, it affected, were infected, and they were having to have their children in the house, and just no one could help them. There was that powerlessness that we felt where you couldn't go and get the kids and babysit because you could get, I, I'm asthmatic and I've got a whole heap of health issues. And I think, yeah, embracing your humanity and saying, I don't know. I'm struggling to figure out a way forward here, but I think we can do this together. Mm. These are the ideas I have. Let's see what you have. Let's put it together and let's just see. And I think it made me, I know, a bit more brave in terms of at least taking that risk, at mm. least a step. You know, like, uh, let's just try it and see what happens. That's, that, that's the zone I'm in now, I think. Let's try it. See what happens. I mean, I'm on a podcast now. I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What happens? <laughs> it, is, it is so good. And there's so many consistent messages here. Oh, we, gosh, had a, yes. we had a guest about a month ago. He's actually from the UK. Yep. Uh, I'll get you introduced. I love him. He's awesome. His name is Lee Chambers. And during his interview he said a phrase that he said he'd never said before. And the phrase was, to lead is to be human. And I said, have you ever said that before? He said, no. I said, oh, my God. And you just mentioned humanity. Yep. And we've had so many guests talk about both what you just shared, more humanity and the importance to be willing to acknowledge, I don't know. And that's not and, – and, but there's so many obstacles to that. You talked about fear of being – of not knowing, fear mm -hmm. of being viewed as incompetent. And what I wonder about Pendai is, you know, you've been in leadership a long time. You've mentioned some of those things, but it's kind of like the word is out. Every single person on the, almost everybody on the planet is saying leaders need to be more transparent, more vulnerable. Yet very few are. Like everybody knows the secret sauce. So, for you, can you talk from a personal level what very specifically got in the way for you, but you pushed over that. You talked about being brave. What drove you to that bravery? Um, I think from, from a, there is a perception that leaders know everything and we are in leadership <laughs> because we've got everything right. And we are sort of not allowed to make mistakes or to be human. But I'll go back a little bit um, so you can understand. I came into this position, at, like I said, at 28 with a three-month-old on my hip. 
and my three-month-old did not sleep from he, he's neurodiverse so he did not sleep for more than two hours at a time for the first year and i was working full-time i burned out um by the time my son was three mm. because i had not slept and um it, it just it, it just got to that stage however it took maybe a further maybe two or three years for me to even feel comfortable to maybe mention it um, to some of my board or, you know, that this, I, I, I struggled with this because I burnt out, but I continued working. I couldn't, I had no strength in my arms. I couldn't lift up my son. I was diagnosed with ME at the time. Mm. Um, but I kept working because in my mind, not being physically strong enough to handle this big job I had been given felt to me like it was gonna, it was a failure. And I did, you know, uh, my board had trusted me at a, you know, passing on a mantle to someone at 28. They passed that on on the basis of the potential I had, not the actual work I had done at that stage. <laughs> I'd never been in the management, um, but potential, um, they saw that and I didn't want to let them down. I mm. didn't want, you know, um, and I was filling some big shoes in my predecessor, Massimo. So I think the bravery that I've stepped into in this season is learning to articulate, recognize and articulate some of the weaknesses that I may have, even physically, but also be able to consistently deliver at a high standard so that what is perceived as a weakness really isn't, it, it don't even get distracted by that. I am handling my health, okay? Get distracted if I may mess up on, on the accounts, you know, that's, that, don't worry about that, you know? And I think the world is becoming more flexible to allow um, this kind of work-life integration. Um, and I think that's key. I remember having to, you know, fight to work from home because I was raising my child. And I said, I will not work full-time in the office. I can't do that. Whereas now, it's, <laughs> the whole world is working from home. <laughs> you will lead the charge. <laughs> Honestly, I was there. <laughs> but I think it's only, yeah, the... It, 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 it can be a risk because you don't know. Some things are still taboo. I think struggling at sea level is taboo. You're not supposed to struggle because mm. it's, I, I mean, I, I hope you don't mind. Like if I give an example maybe of your president at the moment, is it's always about I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm healthy. Here's my doctor's certificate. Look how good and fit and strong I am. And it's like, but it's okay to catch a cold. Like it's, <laughs> He's a germaphobe. But it's it's okay. I just it's okay to have right. a headache one day. It's okay. Like that doesn't stop you from being brilliant, you know? <laughs> okay. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. Well, I really love that, Tendai. <clears throat> and one thing I heard you say, going back to your call with your members, you said you created us. I think you said you created a space for them to just be honest. And so you really created a space for them to be vulnerable too. And speak to, number one, 
what was the driver for you in that? And number two, how do you think that impacted your members, the organization, your team, and everyone else? Um, I think for me, the first thing was is getting more personal with my members. I didn't want them to feel manipulated or to feel like I'm just like I'm trying to sell something. So what I had done before the call was I emailed each member individually. They each got a personal email from me, no mail merge, everything personal. And, you know, from that, I already had started to gain, you know, to get an understanding of which regions, which countries were really struggling. I had members who are, you know, from maybe more Muslim countries asking me, can you pray for us? Things are really bad right now. Pray to your Jesus that, you know, we can sort something out here because I don't know how I'm going to pay my staff. I had, you know, um, you know, real struggles, you know, that I was getting through the emails. So by the time we had this global call, there was no agenda. Literally, there was just about enough time for everyone to introduce themselves and say what's going on. And literally, imagine going around a room, but you've got 60 people on a call. You know, this took two hours. So, but, um, some countries, they're saying, we're, we're struggling. Other countries are saying, we have no idea what you guys are talking about. You know, I'm still going to work as usual. Mm. Um, but again, it became that thing that it's not about the member firms. It's about the members, the people. Right. All of those numbers you're seeing, even up to today, those numbers are families, they're communities. You know, there's people whose lives will never be the same after this. I think all of us, you know, will never be this. So it, it was like, get rid of all of everything else and just, even if we don't succeed in what we're trying to do, if my legacy is just that I was a friend to you when you needed it, hmm. then for me, you know, from a personal perspective, then I've done my job. I have a platform and I want to support you. I will try my best. If I can, that's fine. You know, that's, but that's playing the long game. Me. Pardon? That's playing the long game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's about relationship, and it, it's, that's so important to realize that, especially as an association, you're, you're really a lot about the relationships, and, yeah. and that's so good. Well, and one thing that I found interesting about that, Tendai, Craig and I have been sharing a similar message, which is to encouraging leaders to give space for their team members to do yeah. that. Yeah. We call it the check-in. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going on. And, you know, there's been so many, I think for decades, some of it was very intentional. I think some was less intentional. So many leaders had a mantra that said, leave your personal life at home. <laughs> you know, here's yep. the door. It's like there's a big p- container at the door of the office. Yeah, mm-hmm. throw all it in there and then you can pick it up when you leave. Mm-hmm. And they don't want it to be messy. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we've been encouraging leaders to say, no, tell them, bring it in. In fact, we had a guest, one of our early guests, um, Larry English was saying that one of the keys to their success in building an amazing culture was they encouraged their people to bring their personal lives to work. Yeah. And it sounds like you did that with your members as well as your team. Hmm. I sat there for days writing postcards by hand from myself, you wow. know, just checking in, saying this is like a hundred odd posts. I mean, my, I, I've still got the whatever this thing is from like, using the pen so much and <laughs> it, was, it was important i wrote thank you cards to my suppliers who have supported us I'd, and all of it was again to just say I, I just wanted them to understand that i recognize the human struggle we're going through yeah. but and we're here and some responded and some didn't but it was fine because they knew that um 
that we were here and it's it's been good i, I feel like I, I have grown a lot in this season as a leader or even even recognizing myself as a leader was a growth point for me because i'm just the ed of impact what are you talking about with this leadership log and then starting to understand that now nah, this is leadership and then kind of step into those shoes think and see yourself as a leader it's um it's just been a <laughs> interesting <laughs> interesting yeah. journey for me i think <laughs> well i think that you know you have embodied what we consider to be real leadership which is taking care of your people and if if people aren't doing that you know they're not really leading i mean you can you can manage the systems you can manage the processes but that's just managing right that when you're dealing with the people that's where the leadership comes in and the fact that you're you're actually trying to connect heart to heart that's that's where the true leadership really really comes through i mean that's all i do though I, I i am not a good manager i won't lie you know if you left me to to drive this train then you know i i, I don't know um i have been, you know shout out to daniel our operations manager he is the manager of the organization <laughs> and again it was um being another point of bravery is understanding where your weaknesses or your struggles lie and being able to be open and frank with your team so that they know where to support you so i know where my blind spots are because and i have a team that you know i'm so blessed that what are my blind spots are where they thrive so i am not as organized and daniel oh my days <laughs> and so it just it just works you know um i am maybe sometimes too much of the big picture and i like living in the sky it's a beautiful place and <laughs> i need people like bernadette to then distill that vision into some kind of action mm. or something don't you know I, i can't be responsible for the mailchimp thing because i'll forget what the logging is I, i i still don't know how to log into twitter but i have a fantastic executive um assistant um uh, ceci who's amazing at that so all these things just happen and um it i think it that's the good thing about also being able to lead but being part of a team that a cohesive unit um that works well together there you know we understand our roles and our roles really complement each other and even our characters mm. you know our our personalities complement each other we're not all extrovert we're not all introvert we're not all you know it it just balances so well and i think it it does start with being open and honest and transparent about where i am it's helped my team to do the same so when they're struggling we cry together we pray together sometimes we laugh together we get drunk together <laughs> you know it's, it's 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 a beautiful thing wow well, i want to i want to go way back because you you had mentioned a very interesting fact that your your father was a freedom fighter and your mother was a nurse and i'm really wondering how that helped shape who you are and your leadership style and i'm i'm really curious when you say freedom fighter what does that look like as well shout out to my dad so <laughs> i was born and raised in zimbabwe um zimbabwe was a former colony of the united kingdom So my father was part of the revolution that led to our independence. So he spent, you know, a few years in, you know, in the forests and jungles, well, we didn't have jungles, but in the forests and he was a guerrilla fighter. Wow. So really a freedom fighter, you know, mm. gun-toting, trying to, you know, fight for our independence, you know. Um and 
growing up in a in a system you know i was born in 82 um we gained our independence in 1980 so i was one of the the first you know generations of what we call born free Hmm. You know, because wow. we were born, we were born free. We were born in our own country. We we weren't born under occupation. Hmm. Um, whereas my sister was born in '79, so you know she she was born you know during the resistance. So I think growing up like that, there was a definitely a sense of confidence, you know, because I didn't know any other way. We <laughs> you know we ran the country, whereas you know ten years ago it, it was a different situation. So my father, particularly, one thing he always said, he, he's always had time for people. Mm. He's a businessman. He's a, a politician. Um, he has had a million and he has had five dollars. Like he, he's trans, he, uh, gone through all of the stages of life again and again and again. One thing, he never quits. <laughs> he, he could literally have five dollars in his pocket today. And then you find out six months later, he, he's, he's driving a Bentley. Like. <laughs> never gives up never gives up um he's creative so he's always he's, he's an entrepreneur he's a born entrepreneur he's always looking for things but one thing is i've been at his house and things are hard and maybe someone has come we have a very high unemployment in zimbabwe and someone has come looking for a job and he's like you know what i i really i've got no no work for you but he'll still call me tonight can you feed him can you get him some bread some tea or whatever you know give him as much food as he can possibly take you know um and that's how i grew up we were always upset with my dad because some of the times when things didn't go so well was actually because he had he gave away so much stuff when he was a farmer then half of his harvest he gave away always wow. giving away stuff always giving away and we get upset when it's time to pay the school fees and there wasn't enough money because you're like yo why did you just give all this stuff you could have sold it but as i've grown i've realized this is the reason he never hits rock bottom Mm. All of those people, there's been people in the in the past, he's given stuff 10, 20 years later, they're multimillionaires and they're coming back and delivering a car as a gift or whatever it is. Amazing. And then my mother, coming here when I was 16 then, my mother, um, I was raised by my father, so my mother was based here and um, she was a nurse, she worked for the NHS and yet her grind, relentless, meant she put me, you know, with the help of my dad. But mainly my mom put me through university um and this was a big ask because i went you know i was a foreign student so university that's like ten thousand pounds and someone who's not even earning thirty thousand mm. having to put me through school um was something but then i had to learn i had to grow i i had to get a scholarship i tried to do my best i was working throughout uni so that you know if i got a scholarship here if i got a bursary here just to help out my mom um, so both of them put together means then that I am this kind of never say die kind of child. <laughs> um, I am a glass half full. I'm not even worried about the coaster, you know, like uh, I'm worried about the water spots or anything. I'm just, I, I'm just trying to say, you know, like even this season, it was like, yo, we're locked on. Yeah, yeah. No, I had to boast up my team. No, but we can invest more in advertising because people are going to see our adverts because they are not traveling at the moment. We can get more meetings scheduled because we can catch them because all they have to do is click a button. This is the way my mind works. Is, um, you know, yeah, it's tough, but it's not just tough. It's enough. And I think both my parents, their stories have really fashioned that kind of grit thing. 
So good. You know, wow. I, I, I can talk all day about my parents. I think I should stop there. <laughs> They're amazing. Oh, that's great. I think it's, <laughs> it's amazing that you have that diversity of background where, you know, you, I've, I've not talked to anybody whose father was a freedom fighter. I mean, that's, right. that's a new one for me, for sure. I can oh, check that okay. question off here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having that kind of background helps you appreciate the thing, the freedoms we take for granted. Because my father didn't wear his first pair of shoes until he was 13. Wow. He used to walk two miles to school and back. And his first pair of shoes were three sizes too big, and they were a pair of golf studs. Yeah. Wow. Now he has over 50 pairs of shoes. You know, <laughs> and it was uphill both ways, right? <laughs> and um, it, it's just, you know, but then there was other things like my father on once or twice taking us to, there's a place called Chimoy, which is just a, um, across the border in Mozambique and standing on these big platforms, the size of a living room, you know, you're talking about 20 foot, 30 foot platforms. And you're thinking, what is this? And then going through the stories of, these are mass graves. This is where we buried our friends, you know, when the rage came. And you're 13 years old and you're standing there knowing there's like 50 or 100 people underneath you. Mm. But then talking to your father or talking to his friends and they're telling you that when we were running because we were being bombed, my friend was shot. And the first thing I had to do was go back, close her eyes, and then look at her shoes because my shoes were falling off. So having to make these decisions where you're running for your life, but you also have to stop and think, okay, well, she's dead. She's not going to need them. I need to grab her shoes so that I can survive and run that bit faster. Growing up with people like this around you make it very difficult for you to then complain. Because, <laughs> because I have to wear a mask to the supermarket. It's like, I'm yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, wow. That's you know. a perspective. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm sure that has had a lot to do with your leadership. And you, you touched on something, Tendai. You talked about so much growth that you've had during this time, this season. And my, my belief is that not everybody's going to grow during this season. Right. I think some people think that growth is going to happen just because they went through it. I think growth is actually a choice. Can, can you speak to how you've looked at growth, your own growth during this season? Um, I think for me, it gave me a chance to kind of do the whole introspection thing. And the ways in which I am growing are, I think it had a, okay, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to word it correctly. Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Mm. Okay, brilliant song and brilliant words. And it starts with me. And it's like being open and brave enough to actually see what are, the, what are the pitfalls in my own personality or my own character, my own style, uh, you know, and how can I work towards um, addressing those? So being brave enough to look at myself and like warts and all, like I did an audit on myself, on, on my parenting, on my wifedom, on my frienddom, on you know, these are all like weird words, um, but in all the different roles that I play, and I wanted to be able to see what are the things that may irk people or that may, I've got this far, but maybe they may stop me from getting to where, to the next stage in my, in my journey. Um, so like right now, I've just started um, with a new therapist and mentor, a coach, we're on a 12 month program, 
you know, um, I need to, you know, I'm not the most organized person and that, that's something that can slow me down or I take on too much and I need to learn to prioritize. And But being able to be open and honest with myself that these are things that could slow down the progress I want to make um, in my life and taking steps to remedy it. So yeah, got a therapist, got a mentor. Um, and so slowly like working through that, yeah. It's so important that we have that outside perspective because as we talk about, you know, you cannot by definition see your blind spots. So yeah, we got to have that, that outside perspective. So, so now that, well, you sound a little crazy Tendai because didn't you, did you not realize that there's all these bad things happening? This is not the time to invest in yourself. This is where you stop spending. You don't wait until the water is calm. That's right. In the storm, that's where you need to work on yourself. You know, because uh, now then when it will be retrospective. Yay, we did it. Then you think the bomb. This is the right time. You know, to take some steps. Listen, I did dumb stuff. Like I learned how to use a hedge trimmer this season. I learned, <laughs> I learned how to use a circular saw. I was there on Google trying to figure out if I can fit in a plastering course, you know, so that I can, you know, when I drill holes, I, I know how to fill them properly. And I want to, I want to do um, joinery and I, you know, I got so much and I was there thinking, Hmm, I'm, I'm tired of getting stuck in traffic. I need a motorcycle license. That's what I need. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, <laughs> You know, because tomorrow is not promised when it comes down to it, Katie. <laughs> so we've got today. What am I going to do today? Oh, there's some weeds there. Guess what? Let me just roll up my, 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 my sleeves and dig them out while I've got the chance. <laughs> wow. Nice. Awesome stuff. This is, <clears throat> I, you know, and I, I did not know what to expect, but I knew what to expect. <laughs> I didn't know the details, but I knew the, the wisdom bombs would be flowing today. And mm. so grateful for all that you've shared and, and all the wisdom that you are bringing to the folks who are listening and will listen in the future. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're going we're gonna to wrap up. We could go on and we may have to have you back because there's so much richness in this. So Tendai, is there anything in particular uh, going on with you or your organization right now that you want to focus on or promote? Promote would be our impact marketplace. I think um, that is my baby. And mm -hmm. it's something that I feel is, you know, worth the time and the effort. Because really, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is create business opportunities it's not really for our members. Technically, it's actually for our members' clients. Mm -hmm. And being able to get that connection, you know, between clients of our members adds phenomenal value to the yes, membership. It does. Um, so that is a big focus of mine is, you know, how does an accounting association reach their members' clients? And if we can add value to the client, it goes without saying that we add value to the member. That's so brilliant. That's, that's a that's a key focus of mine um, in this season, mm. and um, I think that is slowly you know coming through. Um, we have been shortlisted for the Rising Star Association of the Year um, with the International Accounting Bulletin, so we'll know at the end of the year if we got that. We did get it a few years ago, um, but we just keep rising, you see. So we just keep getting shortlisted <laughs> again. It's like you know, like the star is just rising. Right? So, <laughs> well, with you at the helm, I can see why. I think it's Leadership. amazing that, that you, you're looking two steps in 
a lot of people are so insularly focused. They're like, how do I take care of myself? And then to say, okay, not only can I take care of myself, how do I take care of my members? But now you're saying, not only are we going to take care of our members, we're going to take care of our members' clients. And that's where things start opening up. Amazing. That is incredible. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, we, we are here. We are open. We've been working remotely for years. So we got this on lock. So whoever needs to <laughs> come on over, you know, um, running an association when I don't even have an accounting degree. And yes, I'm working with accountants all the time. You're not hired for your accounting work, right? <laughs> You're hired for your leadership. <laughs> it, can, it can be done. We are doing it as a nation, as, you know, as a global population, we are doing it. We're like, like we need to just take a step back and just pat ourselves on the back because what we're doing is just phenomenal. We've survived. We've yeah. done it. You celebration know, is key. Amen. Honestly, Party time. And those small wins because, yo, yes. you know, it's, sometimes we don't know when the big ones are going to come, you know. So just every day we're grateful. We're grateful. And if right. we can add a little something to each day, then it's, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, Tendai, how can people connect with you? Obviously, we'll put the, the website for the organization in the show notes, but how can people connect with you if they want to learn more? So, I mean, LinkedIn, Tendai White, you can search me. Our uh, website, um, impactglobal.org, I'm on there. My email address, probably the best way. Um, you want me to say my email address? Because I have to spell my name. Tendai, sure. T-E-N-D-A-I at impactint, that's I-N-P-A-T-T-I-N-T dot com. Um, or ask Jeff and Craig. <laughs> they, would, they would lovingly just um, introduce you and um, then you don't have to worry about if you didn't get my email address quite right. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. So you know that we're connectors. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> so Tendai, thank you again. And we always end with a question. I'm going to, this question for you today is talk about a book, a, a leadership book that really you think will have an impact on people who read it. I don't know if you're going to love this or not. I love everything you say. But the book you have to read is called Thud, T-H-U-D, by Terry Pratchett. Okay. okay. So Terry has some interesting not a self-help book or anything, but you have to understand, you have to read it with an open mind. It's completely fantasy, completely insane, um, as all of the Discworld books are. However, there is this one, um, one of the characters, his name is Sam Vines, so Sam Vines, and he is the leader of the watch, which is the police in this thing. And now where, where they are, Ankh-Morpork is fantasy world where you have all kinds of people, well, all kinds of, I'm going to use people because I can't think of the other word. You have vampires and trolls and dwarves and humans and dragons and, you know, any, yeah, all of that. And he has to try and balance, especially in this book, it's all about politics and it's about um, diplomacy and all of that. Um, and he has to try and balance all of these different needs and these worlds, because in his police force, he has a werewolf and a vampire. Werewolves and vampires don't get on, for instance. Um, and at the same time, there is like this backstory with the dwarfs and the trolls. Um, you know, so it's a lot about um, cultural, cultural intelligence diplomacy, understanding the humanity and the people message, no matter what they look like, what they sound like, mm. understanding how 
history can affect someone's worldview. So they're arguing about a battle that happened between the Poles and the Dwarves, I think, and it happened like a thousand years ago or something, but their argument is still fresh today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a bit where it talks about there's a morality bit, uh, which is amazing. And then it, it was about beating up people in little rooms. This is the thing. And he says something along, it says, it says something along the lines of like, but you know, um, if I could do it for a good, if you could do it for a good reason, then you could do it for a bad reason. But we can't be the good guys who are doing bad things. You know, so he has a lot to do with mor- morality. And then prioritizing as a leader, how important it is to actually know, you know, he has a son and he has to make sure six o'clock on the dot, he has to be there to read his son a story. And they will stop traffic. He will kill who he needs to kill to get there on time. <laughs> and he has wow. never, he has never missed it. And it says, I, there's a bit where it says, hmm, if he was one minute late, would it matter? And he's like, no, nah, possibly even two minutes wouldn't matter. Three minutes wouldn't matter. Hmm. But then now it's five minutes. And then it's like, hmm. So there's no excuses. No excuses at all. Because he says, you know, once I open myself up for good excuses, I'm opening the door for bad excuses. Oh, that's so like, good. Yeah, it's a, you know, if I've got a good reason to do it, let me just carry on doing it because I will find the bad reason to do something. Like, it's an, like seriously, if, you, it's, if it's too fantasy to read, get it on Audible. Just listen to it. It is funny. Oh, but the yeah. lessons in there, I am telling you, it's better than half of these successful habits and all of those. I'm <laughs> wow. I'm going to get like, that you right away. learn like, so much about diversity, about yeah. morality, about leadership about communication, diplomacy, um, international relations. It, it's wow. fantastic. Please read and let me oh. know. I will, I will get it and I will let you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've, I've uh, delved into Terry Pratchett a little bit, and it's, it's, he's, he's definitely out there. A very creative, a uh, lot of humor. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Very good. <laughs> Well, thanks thank you, Tendai. Thanks for thank you for being here, but more importantly, thank you for leading the way you're leading. Yes. Oh, thank you, and <laughs> thank you for having me. This has been fun, and you see, you helped me because I've never done a podcast. And now I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't either until we did. <laughs> you started and it worked. You see, this is the thing. You have to be brave to so just go for it. That's right. And now we're now we're beyond fifty episodes, so this is uh, this been a fun journey. Thank you for being here. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cardivera Tribe. The Cardivera Tribe is a community of growth committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cardivera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cardivera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cardivera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A 
Bluebell.com. See you on the inside. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.